It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there, Jared Justice on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get you ready for, well, what's going to be the final road trip of the regular season for the Henderson Silver Knights this weekend. They will head to San Jose to take on the Barracuda. After that, it'll be seven consecutive home games to wrap up the regular season schedule. So we will discuss uh, what is to come, how that stretch of scheduling uh, benefits the Silver Knights as they look to secure playoff positioning. We're going to talk about the week that was at the Dollar Loan Center. The grand opener for the DLC was last Saturday, and the Silver Knights got Three games in in their new home over a stretch of, uh, well, a really busy stretch of hockey. Silver Knights played five games in seven days. So uh, for the Silver Knights, important last couple of days for them to get recalibrated and uh, get their legs back underneath them. It uh, continues to be a challenging stretch for the Silver Knights, but they still do have uh, their destiny very much in their own hands, very much in their own hands, uh, to lock up at least the final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. So we'll discuss those ramifications. We'll also talk with uh, Patrick Williams, AHL insider extraordinaire. We'll have him in our second segment to talk a bit about the Pacific Division playoff picture and uh, really the AHL playoff picture at large. Patrick Williams also wrote a piece over the weekend on the Dollar Loan Center. What he learned is uh, he was uh, trying to find out from those in power of, of how the uh, the building would open and what it was expected to uh, to provide. So many of you saw that for yourselves. But uh, for uh, to follow up on what Patrick Williams learned, because no one breaks it down better than he. So we'll talk to Patrick Williams in the next segment, and then our third segment, we'll have Connor Ford, one of the newest members of the Henderson Silver Knights. He's played in the last four games for the Silver Knights and add a little bit of jump to their bottom six. So we'll uh, get the story for Connor Ford. So busy afternoon on HSK today before the team heads to the airport tomorrow uh, to head off for San Jose. And what uh, is is going to be... Uh, an important stretch. I mean, at this point of the year, everything is important, but uh, certainly the Silver Knights have work to do, uh, and one of the teams chasing them, and uh, not as, let me just, just to make sure I don't lead us astray here, San Jose has seven games left, so a grand total of 14 points that they can pick up, which will put them at 59. So San Jose is mathematically still uh, capable of catching the Silver Knights. They've not yet been mathematically eliminated, but they would literally have to win every single game the rest of the way to do that. So uh, not a threat are uh, the Barracuda to the Silver Knights, but they do play the Silver Knights four times, so they can play spoiler at the very least. Look at the uh, the playoff primer, which, by the way, anyone who's trying to get a, a sense of the playoff picture uh, in the American Hockey League, it's a little complicated this year. It's a new format that they've used just to, to get everyone refreshed. In the Pacific Division, seven teams of the nine will get in. Right now, Henderson has that number seven spot. In the Central, five of the seven. In the North, five of the seven. In the Atlantic, six of the eight. So basically, to make that simple, in every single division, the bottom two teams will not get in. Uh, Silver Knights have gotten a little bit of help over the last couple of days from uh, the Roadrunners not winning. And with that, the Silver Knights' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is now seven points. The Stockton Heat, the Ontario Reign, the Colorado Eagles, Bakersfield Condors, Abbotsford Canucks have all clinched their playoff spots. The San Diego Gulls and Henderson Silver Knights still looking to get in. The Gulls and the Silver Knights both with 58 points. The Gulls have two games in hand 
Uh, so right now the Gulls are in the driver's seat for that sixth spot, but the Silver Knights uh, in very, very good positioning to lock down number seven, but they have work to do. So we're going to go through uh, some of the math there as well. I'll tell you what, this is a... Uh, this is one of my favorite times of year. It really, really is just such a great, great time of year if you're a sports fan. Where in April, where you know we're countdown to playoffs, not just at the AHL, but of course the NHL level as well. Uh, and for Golden Knights fans, that probably made last night a little bit frustrating with the VGK loss to Vancouver, but still makes for some uh, exciting uh, back of the envelope math as you try to figure out what these races are going to look like for the final wild card spot. But every hockey game now is so crucially important. We just finished March Madness. We uh, Today is the opening day for Major League Baseball. Today is day one of the Masters. Uh, we've got Frozen 4 action that's uh, dropping the puck right, right about now, actually, between uh, University of Denver and University of Michigan. Minnesota and Minnesota State will play about an hour after that game is done. Uh, so there's just so much going on uh, right now. So it really is just a really fun time to be a sports fan. Stressful, perhaps too, if in some uh, some of those lanes, uh, but but just such a such a great time of year. Now I'll tell you, my favorite thing about the Masters every single year, for anyone who's uh, met me in person or, or seen my picture, I don't know anyone who's aware of what I look like. Uh, Jared, we usually talk uh, through the curtain. Uh, are 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 you aware of what I look like? Vaguely from the television. Vaguely, kind of idea. You watch. Wow, that means so much. Uh, but do I look anything like John Rom? Well, I'd have to know what John Rom looks like. Oh, for you are the producer on a sports station. How do you not know what John Rom looks? Like? Do you know who John Rom is? Uh, is his is he someone like not Tiger Woods? Yes, that's true. He's he's a member of the field. If you're yeah, if you're I betting. watch Tiger Woods. <laughs> well, fair enough. I've been told. Usually every single year, it's right at this time. Obviously, the, the Masters is at the same time every year, with the exception of the uh, the pandemic wrinkle. Um, I apparently look like John Rom. I see it, too. I'm not, it's not one of those things like, oh, I, I hear that all the time. I don't know where it comes from. I see it, too. Um, but basically, the Thursday of the Masters, maybe the Friday of the Masters, by Saturday morning, whatever hockey team I'm with, uh, season to season, I've got 10 guys rush into the locker room and be like, I saw you on my TV all day yesterday, sarcastically, that I am the John Rom stunt double. So for that reason, I always enjoy the Masters. It always gives me a little bit of a kick. Uh, but uh, it's uh, that's going to be a fun tournament. Jared, it sounds like you're paying a little bit of attention. Where uh, what is What has Tiger done today? Uh, I believe he shot a one under and finished in ninth, but I could be wrong. That's not bad. Let's look this up quickly. I've... I've got a computer for me. Why, why do I always put you on the spot like that? What's the matter with me, Jared? It's an important question. Uh, looks okay, like I'm kind of seeing the John Rom. A little bit, right? A little bit. See, the problem is each year I look less and less like him, I think. And I think it's because one of us is uh, starting to get out of shape to the point that no one would ever confuse them with a professional athlete. That's not him. But uh, <laughs> yes, clean-shaven, clean I, I look John Rom-esque. Um, so I like to think, I like to think that he gets stopped all the time in airports and people are like, Hey, you're that guy who calls minor league hockey in Vegas, but it's probably not what happens. But anyway, that just, that just gives me a strong rooting interest in all the majors, but you're right. Tiger Woods was one under, it looks like right now he's tied for 11th. Cause obviously there are other guys still out there playing today. Uh, first 
Cameron Smith is tied for first with four under. Dustin Johnson also uh, four under, and he's still out on the course. So fun golf things. We'll uh, we'll leave that there probably for the day. But really, just a, just a great, great, great time to be a sports fan with the uh, the the sports that are just getting underway. Everything is uh, limitless possibilities, and for the sports that uh, are winding down to playoff time, every game is urgent. Looking at the Henderson Silver Knights' upcoming schedule again. Uh, as mentioned, this will be the final road trip. Silver Knights have uh, not been a uh, an overwhelmingly strong road team. Uh, they were about 500, a little under 500, until uh, the middle of February when the schedule, or I should say early March, when the uh, schedule really uh, became uncompromisingly harsh against them with the 12 of 15 games on the road that led into uh, this past DLC stretch, but the uh, Silver Knights 13, 16, and 3 on the road this season. These will be their final two contests against last place San Jose, uh, and after that, Silver Knights are going to have every opportunity to, uh, to to close things out and get a magic number of seven points gained by them or lost by uh, Tucson will do it. So Silver Knights are mathematically in a very good place. will be three against Stockton, which is the top team in the division, one against San Diego, which is the number uh, the, the number one foe for the Silver Knights this season. They've had no luck against San Diego. Two against San Jose. Those are winnable hockey games. And then the last game of the season against the Ontario Reign, the only team that has had perhaps as much success against Henderson as San Diego has been Ontario. So that's a tough stretch the rest of the way. Silver Knights are going to have to buckle down in a big way. As mentioned, we just finished uh, opening week, if you will, at the Dollar Loan Center, and the Silver Knights uh, earned victories in one of the three. They lost the opener to Bakersfield on Saturday. They won the follow-up contest against the Rockford Ice Hogs on Monday, and then on Tuesday a one nothing decision against the Ice Hogs that went against Henderson. So uh, lots of excitement, not the results that Silver Knights fans necessarily want, but there's no reason why we can't relive the good like Paul Cotter's first HSK goal in DLC history. Paul Cotter on a break, two on one, cut in the net, and he scores! Paul Cotter on the stretch pass, drove in from the right wing. He touched it around Kanabalov, and the first Silver Knights goal in DLC history belongs to Paul Cotter. It's 2-1. to one. Well, how much fun was that? And Paul Cotter had not one but two that night. Not to be outdone, Daniil Miramanov followed up the following game two days later against Rockford with the first hat-trick in Silver Knights history at the Dollar Loan Center. It sounded like this. Between the circles, Miramanov took it away from Tepley. Lead pass, here come the Silver Knights, another three-on-one. Conrad across for Miramanov, a shot, he scores! <laughs> Daniil Miramanov again off the rush, under the bar, and the hats raised down at the DLC. Well, how much fun was that? That was Daniil Miramanov scoring goals numbers 7, 8, and 9 for him on the season and uh, a, a huge huge uh, congratulations to everyone who is uh, responsible for getting hockey at the Dollar Loan Center up and running it took the work of uh, probably many more people than you'd than you'd think to get that up and running for the construction project a year and a half ago that began with Gabe Mirabelli and his entire team uh, but then you know just uh, Whiting Turner construction but even to the last few weeks marketing uh, sales uh, building ops, uh, electrical wiring, sound. It takes so much to make all that happen. And uh, just a, a really tremendous job to create a tremendous atmosphere 
by everyone who got that going. But, of course, the atmosphere means nothing without the fans. And uh, I can reliably tell you I have never been in a building that had that much energy in the American Hockey League on a Monday or a Tuesday night as I did at the Dollar Loan Center this past week. Uh, most minor league operations on Monday night, it feels like a sleepy atmosphere, but not this week, and that's because of you. So looking forward to a lot more excitement uh, and uh, a lot uh, more winning results at the Dollar Loan Center, and hopefully everyone enjoyed their first taste of DLC hockey this past week. We're going to hop out when we come back. We'll be joined by AHL insider Patrick Williams as we talk Calder Cup playoffs. That's straight ahead on 1230 of the game. You're listening to HSK Today on the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you, Jared Justice, and Michael Bainter on the other side of the glass. We are rapidly approaching Calder Cup playoff time, and no better time to bring in the AHL insider himself, Mr. Patrick Williams. Patrick, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, I was talking our first seg- uh, segment, Patrick. I'm uh, This is just a euphoric time for me and I think any sports fan. Uh, opening day for baseball, playoff hockey, of course, Frozen Four at the college level, the Masters today. Are you soaking up as much uh, sports watching as you possibly can? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd like to meet the person that uh, kind of worked up the schedule uh, because, uh, <laughs> you know, what a day. And, uh, um, and the only problem is, you know, just trying to, trying to you know, sit for all and have to find the time to be able to, uh, to get all this. Right. This is this is the day where you need mission control eight TV setup more than any other day. Uh, Patrick, let's let's talk a little bit about you, you had a piece that came out on uh, the AHL website this past weekend. We've been talking a lot of uh, the Dollar Loan Center the last week and for obvious reasons. But you had a chance to talk to uh, to Gabe Mirabelli and also to, to Tim Speltz about the opening of the new facility from a. Uh, an AHL perspective, not so much a fan perspective, but a hockey organizational perspective, and uh, curious what you learned. Yeah, I mean, I learned kind of there's two sides to it. There's the hockey and there's the player development side, and then there's uh, kind of what it means for the community of Henderson and, um, you know, the greater fan base as well as just the Henderson Silver Knights from a business standpoint. And um, it's, uh, it's a remarkable building. I mean, I don't recall anything – in my time with the AHL, that really compares to that. Maybe the Stars, when they opened up their building about a decade ago, but uh, it's just a first-class facility all the way, just you know, completely dedicated um, to to largely to the Henderson Silver Knights along with the arena football team. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I think from a hockey development standpoint, if you're a player there, uh, you, you have every resource you could possibly need. Um, you come to work every day, you know, you know, every game night there, uh, you know, you know, top notch facility along with the, uh, you know, obviously with the, the practice rink as well. So, um, you're kind of covered on both ends and you know, I, I found it interesting. And of course, nobody from, uh, uh, the silver Knights or, or the Vegas school tonight would, 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 uh, would really comment on it, but just, you know, as a recruit recruitment tool. If you're a visiting player and you come in there, you have to look around and think, hey, you know what, I might want to sign here someday because this is a 
pretty nice place to to play 36 uh, home games every regular season. And, and that is a consideration too, Patrick. Not just for the not so much for the younger players who are are drafted. Uh, you know their rights are are uh, covered or whatnot, but older players and you know just mm-hmm. to think, look at like what what Martin Ferg and TJ Tynan do for Ontario, what Chris Terry does yeah. in Bridgeport. You know th- those players who uh, aren't thinking as free agents so much with the what's my NHL path thought anymore. It's it's more attributed to okay quality of life for me and my family when I get wherever I'm going, and having facilities that that offer that kind of. Uh, lifestyle that's beneficial when you're trying to attract again those those veteran types more so absolutely i mean you know it's like anything you where you, where you don't go to work every day you know if you're going to work at an office or you know uh whatever a construction site you want to be going to a place that uh you're given every tool to do your job properly and um so yeah if you are a, a, a tj tynan or a chris terry i mean you you look at the kind of the, the package that that a Henderson would offer uh, a great community to live in, um, top-notch facilities. I mean, obviously the attraction of good weather year-round. Uh, uh, you're you're close to a major, you know, city. Obviously, like Las Vegas, so you know, just getting in and out of town is easy. Uh, just all those little things that start to add up for a player that uh, you know goes beyond just the dollars and cents of what a contract is offering. I think that even will be even more so this year now with the KHL market uh, obviously being in Flock Street. You are going to probably see a real contraction of uh, some of those high-end veteran guys who are now looking for jobs in the American Hockey League in a place like Henderson. And just to be clear, those players, uh, you know, they found what they were looking for where they went. But the point being that that is something yeah. that players do do consider. Uh, another thing that I think is interesting is, and we actually talked a little bit about this on Saturday with Scott Housen, who was in town for the game, you know, there are still teams in this league that play in buildings that are called war memorials, which uh, there aren't any war memorials built over any wars that happened recently. So even though those buildings have been refurbished, you know, there's, to me, the Silver Knights open their building. San Jose's opening a new building. Of course, there's going to be the new building in the Coachella Valley. There has been what used to be a discussion, Patrick, about how the footprint of the American Hockey League shifted west. Now we're seeing significant, significant investment by those teams in that western footprint. Yeah, when you add up those three buildings, you're somewhere in the vicinity of $400 million yeah. uh, of facilities um, for, for three American Hockey League buildings, which, you know, I mean, there was a time, I don't think too long ago, that if you added up every building in the league, you might not reach $400 million in terms of construction. <laughs> and now you're, 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 you're seeing these are. Essentially, they're just scaled down, slimmed down NHL type buildings, but not just even NHL, high end NHL buildings. Um, so there's not a whole lot of difference, uh, you know, just in, other than the seating capacity between like a, you know, a dollar loan center or new Shella Valley building where um, you have every possible amenity you could want. I mean, you know, when I was talking to Gabe, uh, and just, you know, he's going down the list of everything. That, yeah, that that's there for players in terms of, uh, you know, the dressing room and, and, you know, obviously in terms of uh, the amenities in there and, you know, same thing in Coachella Valley where they're going to have their practice range attached right to the main rink. Um, if you're in the dressing room, you go one direction to the to the game rink, you go one direction to the practice rink. Everything's there, everything's centralized. So um, 
it, it, it's remarkable to see the changes happen in, in, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, you know, it was a big deal even, you know, when the, the AHL started to add in some of the, the NBA-type buildings mm-hmm. uh, and you were able to sort of piggyback at least on some of the amenities that they had. But now you're getting into kind of that next generation of, of buildings where it's dedicated solely to the hockey team and um, and specifically built uh, for what they, off- they had to offer. And Gabe made a good point that, you know, when he was undertaking this whole, you know, endeavor, he, you know, they they worked very closely with Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee from Vegas to get every little detail just right. So that, you know, you know, do we need to have a, a door here or a, an electrical outlet there? It's all there, you know, just, you know, just so, uh, so that, you know, everything is, is done just right from a hockey side. We're talking to AHL insider Patrick Williams. You can read his feature on the Dollar Loan Center at theahl.com, theahl.com. Patrick, let's turn our attention to the Calder Cup playoffs, which are rapidly approaching. Uh, and off the top, first of all, how exciting it's going to be to have Calder Cup playoffs again. It's We've missed the last two. Uh, so that's on the horizon. But a bit of a different format this year, a little bit of a, uh, I mean, I think it would be fair to call it an expanded format for uh, for this go-around. What do you think of, of the way it's set up and uh, what fans are in for? Well, it's certainly a unique setup. Uh for one, you have an odd number of teams, 23 teams up from 16. So, you know, you have 23 of 31. Um, so that's a little bit of a, you know, interesting wrinkle in the plan. And um, so every division, essentially, you have all but the, the bottom two teams. Uh, but some divisions you have you have um, two or three uh, uh, series for a playing round. Other ones uh, just go one playing round. So every division kind of is a little bit different in that sense of, I think you're seeing it play out the way it is now where you look at specific division, there's already five teams that have qualified yeah. uh, for the for their playoffs. And yet, uh, you know, you look at every other division, nobody else has qualified other than the Chicago Wolves uh, in the Central Division. So uh, even Utica, which was a team that started off 13-0, just the nature of the of the format this year, uh, they're still trying to chase down, nail down a playoff spot themselves. Right. So. Uh, it, it's a weird one for sure. It's a little bit of a transition year, um, and now it's especially complicated by the fact that you have uh, teams playing anywhere from 68 to 76 games, so you're going by a point percentage format. So uh, it, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit unwieldy in that regard. But uh, you know, it's going to get the league now to a good place for next year. Everybody's at 72, and uh, everybody can kind of. Then you'll you'll see a more normal format start to I think uh, you know you know come into play. But uh, for this year, I mean, it certainly has kept everybody other than you know a handful of teams right in the uh, right in the mix. And um, you know, even if you're a last place club like you know, let's say Lehigh Valley, you still have at least something of a chance. So you're, you're playing for something, and that's exactly what the NHL clubs want their players to be doing. They want their players to play meaningful games late in the year. Even if you don't make the playoffs, you don't you don't want to have a team, you know, just kind of playing off the string, you know, for a month and kind of everybody going off on their own page, everybody, you know, playing for a contract for themselves. So, you know, it's really good, I think, you know, in that regard for player development. Do you, do you think that was part of the motivation too, Patrick, just to expand the playoffs by a couple of teams? It looks like uh, the idea of for if I'm a general manager, hey, even if it's three games, it's three more games that my guy, it's three more reps, three more chances to see my guys. Is it was that kind of the the reason why a lot of teams were were 
open and, and amiable to uh, a, a larger playoff uh, cut? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny you talk to GMs. I'll kind of give you a different uh, comparison, but, you know, some will say that, you know, one playoff game is equal to, you know, two or three regular season games. You know, so, you know, there's different ways to break it down, but that's essentially the idea. And it really is. I mean, it's night and day. It's like that switch flips on from the the final game of the regular season into the first round, and, uh, you know, you know, it's such a higher level of hockey. It's really the closest thing you can get to the NHL without actually being in the NHL. Uh, so, in that sense, uh, even if you're playing three games, I mean, especially I think the three game series is an interesting one because after game one, somebody's facing elimination. So, right, right well, off the bat, you're, you're you're facing some real pressure. And um, I was going to. I was going to ask you about that, Patrick. Is and Silver Knights right now they've had a real struggle of the past four weeks or so, but they're in seventh. They look, you know, nothing's, you know, certain, but they look like they are in very good positioning to secure that seventh spot based on the way that Tucson and San Jose have been going. Um, that play in round of the Pacific, that first week three game series, it's a series. Any three game setting, any team can blink for a, for a weekend. I wonder if a step like that it creates the, uh, the the circumstance throughout the league. There could be more upsets than we would see in a common Calder Cup playoff of years past. Well, think about it from an Ontario standpoint. As of right now, they would get Henderson in the first little play-in rounder. Mm-hmm. you got to play Henderson in the best of three. I would not want that um, that situation for myself as a club, especially a team like Ontario that's had a fantastic season. You know, by any stretch, uh, they're one of the top, you know, uh, top teams in the league. I'd really try and put them in the top two or three. And yet, yeah, they may agreed. get a situation where you have to face maybe, you know, a really dangerous Henderson team that, you know, where you're, you know, a bad bounce in game one all of a sudden puts you kind of back, you know, into a corner and you now have to come out and win back-to-back games to, to even get to the what's essentially the, the more traditional first round, which, you know, the top four teams. So, um, it's a it's a rough format in that sense. I mean, it's very generous in the sense that more teams get in, but it's in some for some teams, depending on uh, how it falls for them, they're actually kind of in a in a much more difficult position than they would be otherwise. Typically, if you were Ontario, you then be in that that top four, and you would get the, at this point the third uh, place team. But it'd be traditionally would have been in a best of five. Now you're. Uh, you're just in a much different format, uh, so yeah, it's difficult in that sense. So, um, and you know, really, right across the league, you can find very similar situations as well. So, um, it, it's not easy in that sense that uh, you know you can play all year, and, and yet you find yourself after game one of that that playing round, all of a sudden in, in a lot of trouble. But Patrick Williams, and you know, kind of. Rolling off of that point, Patrick, I wonder, we know who the the powerhouse teams in the league have been this year. Utica has been tremendous from the very beginning. Chicago has 94 points. Springfield has had a tremendous season. So we know who those teams are. Taking out the uh, the mathematics of, of, a, of a play-in round, things like that, let's just go on the basis of, hey, the the, the better teams are still the better teams. So don't worry about upsets uh, on, on the uh, the argument that anything could happen. But I wonder if there are any teams that right now, again, are at the top of their divisions that you think might be 
vulnerable. The teams that uh, maybe aren't as good as they look on paper right now that could be in for a challenging first or, or second round. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, so much of it depends on what your, your parent club is doing. If yeah. your parent club is done, you're in a much better situation. Assuming your players are all coming back dialed in, that's always a question sometimes. You know, there is sometimes that, that letdown period for players that have been in the NHL for a good amount of time, and now they have to come down and kind of jump into to a playoff situation. But uh, it also works the other way, where if um, – your uh, is playing, they could actually pull some players up. So you, you do look at a Springfield like that, and you know, with the St. Louis Blues in, in good shape for the playoffs, uh, it only takes one or two players to, to uh, come off your roster, and that can really shake things up. I mean, especially if you lose a goalie, right? I mean, right. So uh, Chicago Wolves, kind of the same thing with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, two teams that definitely could go a long way, but if you look at Chicago, they had to make some pretty aggressive moves at the AHL deadline mm-hmm. just to kind of hedge against uh, the possibility of losing some players up to Carolina where, you know, he, he, that that's always the wrinkle in this league. It's not just injuries. It's not just slumps like you might have in the NHL that are factors. It's this whole other factor of you lose two or three of your top players off, off your off your roster. That completely changes the complexion of a team. Every, all of a sudden, everybody's you know maybe in a little bit different role. Uh, everybody's a little bit rattled. So that's where I mean that's where a real high quality head coach really can help uh, offset that issue. But uh, yeah, I think uh, as a team like Springfield, you'd have to be a little bit concerned about just in the sense that uh, you know they've had such a good year, and yet they could be in a situation where you know just a bad break here and there uh, for the parent team and all of a sudden that really upends uh, the, the situation for Springfield. Yeah, that's a good point. You lose a Nathan Walker, a Sam Annis, that, that changes things pretty much on a dime for Springfield. That's a very good point. Patrick, it's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year. we got to let you go, but are you going to get to do any traveling uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, for any of these playoff series? Yeah, for sure, definitely for the playoffs. Uh, you know, playoffs are always interesting in that sense just because you, know, you don't have a lot of time to plan the travel. But uh, first time in three years, definitely looking forward to it i mean it really is the best time of the year and you know it's kind of what you play for or you know in our case media wise what you cover off you know regular season in order to get kind of this is the reward that that last uh, month or two of the playoffs where you know it's just fantastic hockey well i hope there's a big reason for you to come out this way uh, this spring and uh, regardless i'll be following your work wherever you're uh, stationed throughout the postseason patrick thanks for joining us today great thanks for having me That's Patrick Williams, AHL Insider. You can see his work on theahl.com and many other forums. You can also follow him on Twitter, uh, Patrick Williams at PWilliamsAHL, at PWilliamsAHL. We will hop out when we come back. Silver Knights forward, Connor Ford. This is HSK Today on the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window Open it and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. Great hearing from Patrick Williams at theahl.com. And now we turn our attention to the ice and to one of the newest additions to the Henderson Silver Knights, forward Connor Ford. Connor, thanks for taking the time. Great to have you with us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Connor, you could not have picked a better time to uh, to join a new organization. It was very, very, very shortly after you joined the Silver Knights that uh, the Silver Knights moved into their new arena at the Dollar Loan Center and all the, the hoopla that came with it on Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll talk from a college perspective, but just for, first from a pro perspective, uh, what's the, the first week and change of your uh, professional career been like? It, it's got to be a pretty wild week and a half or so. Yeah, it has been a, a wild uh, week. You know, showing up in Bakersfield on the road was uh, an interesting uh, dynamic to join the group, um, you know, right after a game on Wednesday night. Um, and then to play those two games against Bakersfield, come back here, jump into my hotel and prepare to play four games in five nights uh, after I'd played three games in three weeks my last three weeks of college. So uh, it's been an interesting turnaround, but but I'm enjoying it. It's got to be, and this is only a question that I guess you could only half answer because because you just began your professional career now. But usually we're talking to players, rookies in training camps, and saying, "Hey, how are you adjusting to the pro game?" And you know, "Oh, we're I'm figuring this out or developing that." For, for you though, it's baptism by fire, jumping right in. So, has there been a lot of adjusting to the pro game, or has there been very little thought into it, more reacting? Yeah, I mean. You know, that first game, you know, I threw you right into it, and it was a lot of react, just go play, just trust that you belong there, that you're good enough. Um, I, I, the guys have been super helpful. The coaches have been super helpful getting me up to speed on, on how we play uh, as a group. Um, but there's definitely some differences between the college game and the pro game, and, and I'm learning them uh, as I go. It's, it's difficult to learn on the fly at this, at this level, but I'm um, doing the best I can, and, and it's taking it day by day. You played a fifth season of college hockey at the University of North Dakota after playing the first four at uh, at Bowling Green. What did you gain from that fifth pro season, uh, that fifth college season? Yeah, I treated that fifth year uh, kind of as my first year of pro because um, I was fortunate to have a fifth year. That's not typical. So mentally, I treated it as my first year of pro. Yeah, I went into a new team, which I'm doing again right now. Uh, new coaching staff, new facilities, new location. Did all that last year, so this is just the second time around. Um, and I got to have the experience of, of playing at North Dakota, which was unbelievable, and playing in the NCHC, which I feel has prepared me for the next level. What was the decision-making process from college year four to college year five? Did, did you have pro options you were balancing, or did you know you were going college all the way for that fifth season? Yeah, I, I searched through the opportunities uh, in pro, and it was, it was pretty similar to what I had again this spring. Um, you know, ultimately, I, w- I was hoping that I would go back to college um, at, at a big uh, spectacle place like North Dakota and earn uh, an NHL contract, which didn't happen, but um, still a fantastic opportunity here in Henderson for me. And um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been great so far. And uh, but yeah, that that extra year was. Um, just an opportunity for me to take advantage of um, and pursue my master's degree and, and play some more hockey. What did you study in that grad year? Uh, my master's in business administration, which I am about, after this semester, I'll have uh, nine credits left, so three classes. So I'll chip away at that over the next year or so and get that done. I think all uh, student athletes in our audience or all those who have considered it, you know, one of the things you balance is, all right, well, the the importance 
of time management and being able to handle your studies and your hockey schedule or whatever sport you're playing simultaneously, I would imagine that doesn't become an easier burden to bear when you're in a master's program. No, definitely not. I mean, there's less classes that I'm taking than a typical undergraduate student, but the time needed to uh, put towards those classes that I'm taking is more than um, at the undergrad level. Um, it has been difficult uh, switching over to pro as we play on, on Wednesday nights. Like, I got class tonight, actually. I got management class tonight. Uh, luckily for me, it's all remote night class, but that's definitely a little bit more difficult to manage um, with uh, during the week games in pro. Well, at least the questions you're answering here are going to be easier than the questions you have to answer later on tonight. We're with Connor Correct. Ford of the Silver Knights. Uh, Connor, one of the, the, frankly, cool stats that I saw when I was just doing some, some homework on you at the University of North Dakota, something I saw was that you took more than half of the defensive zone draws at North Dakota this past year, which is also to say that you took more than uh, three times as many as some of uh, your, your counterparts on your team, which is to say two things. First of all, uh, the coach trusts you to take big draws, and B, you win a lot of big draws. So yeah, how important is the face-off element to your, your game? Yeah, it's something I take a lot of pride in. Uh, super important to me, something that I, uh, I, I like to leverage um, playing time with. Um, you know, stepping into Henderson right now, I got I to gotta earn that right. You know, they have those guys in place that take those draws. Um, and I'm adjusting as well. The face-offs at the next level are a little different. The timing's a little different. Guys have a little bit different uh, techniques, uh, and they're stronger as well. Uh, so I'm just trying to get better at that every day as, as well and, and earn the right to go out there and take more draws. Connor, you played four years of college hockey at Bowling Green. You were a, a teammate of Brandon Cruz, who also just joined the HSK in the last few weeks. And fairly similar careers as well in terms of just some of the statistics. I think Brandon Cruz is the 73rd player in, in Bowling Green program history to hit 100 points, and you were the 75th, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, he shows up here, and then a couple of weeks later you do as well. Coincidental, or uh, did, did you guys talk about that at all? That's somewhat coincidental, uh, probably mostly coincidental. Um, obviously, he didn't have a choice where he wanted to go being a draft pick. Fair. Um, I had a choice between uh, a few spots, and uh, definitely helped uh, Henderson's case in terms of getting me that there was guys here you know, I also know Cole Conrad pretty well. We played together at Shattuck St. Mary's. Mm. Uh, but Cruiser and I, that's my freshman year roommate. You know, that's my brother. We go way back. Uh, so it was good to get here and see his face. Of your other new teammates, has anyone in particular been uh, taking you under their wing, showing you the, the nice spots in town? Um, well, you know, the other guys are at the hotel with me. You know, Matt Bowden's kind of, kind of the dad around here. He, he takes care of all of us. <laughs> Uh, all of us new guys, he's been here the longest in this hotel, and um, he, he's been a, a great resource to have. It's, it's the little things, you know, what do you wear to the rink, um, you know, what time we're getting up, what time we get in the rink, all that kind of stuff. It, it's something you have to learn at a new, uh, at a new program somewhere, um, and, and he's been super helpful with that. What does Connor Ford like to do when he's not playing hockey or uh, administrating business? Uh, well, right now, my options are limited, but uh, I do enjoy a nice round of golf. Um, that, that's that's probably my biggest vice, especially in the offseason, which is rather typical for a professional hockey player. I would imagine, Connor, again, just having joined the team and then the coaching staff trying to you know get you 
up to speed with what this team does, how, you know, stylistics of play and whatnot. I, I would imagine a lot of conversations with Maeve Evros, but probably also Joel Ward. What are the things that they've been uh, focusing on the most? Uh, and as I asked this question, I realized that with all the, the games that have been played in the last week, there hasn't been a lot of practice time. But I wonder what most of those conversations have, have zeroed in on uh, as they uh, get you acclimated to HSK hockey. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good point. This morning, actually, was my first team practice. But up until then, I'd played four games and had two morning skates. Uh, and that was it. Uh, but they, you know, they showed me the X and, X's and O's. And, you know, one of the biggest, two of the biggest things they told me was just keep moving. You know, keep your legs moving. Don't get stagnant out there. Um, and another big thing is communication. You know, the older guys out there know what they're doing. Uh, talk to them. You know, help each other out out there. And, and just, just go play. You know, have confidence. Um, go play your game. Don't have to be somebody else. Um, and, and yeah, Joel Ward has been uh, tremendous over the last week, uh, helping me out. Is it fun to join a team in the midst of what is a, a playoff push? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, every night we're we're battling, uh, playing for something, um, and it makes the lineup super competitive as well. Um, uh, and you know, you wouldn't want it any other way. You know, entering pro, you go to a team that's struggling you might get to play more in better situations but ultimately you want to win uh, so winning is more fun than any of the than a couple extra minutes on the ice well connor we appreciate your time and hope to see you do some winning this weekend in san jose thanks for joining us and uh good luck at class tonight thank you appreciate it that's silver knights forward connor ford and that will wrap things up for us on this week's edition of hsk today thank you to connor as well as to AHL insider Patrick Williams. We will be on the air right here on 1230 of the game for both Silver Knights games this weekend, 6 p.m. on Saturday night and on Sunday afternoon at 1.15 p.m., the final two road games on the regular season schedule for the Silver Knights. I'm Brian McCormick. Thank you for spending your Thursday afternoon with us. We'll see you this weekend from San Jose for Silver Knights hockey. Have a great weekend, everybody.